In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. It is the best of times, it is the worst of times, these times in which we live. It is fitting that we should finish up our Advent season with the contemplation of the joy of the Annunciation that we hear from Gabriel to the Virgin Mary this morning. It is God's good and gracious will that those who are humbled and fatigued, who mourn deeply for their sins, who feel the weight of the world upon their shoulders, this all-too-dark winter season, that they might be consoled by the word and promise of God, whose Son, born of Mary, takes away the sins of the world. The angel, angel Gabriel, sent from God, met the Blessed Virgin, and she reacted how men always react when they see an angel, when an angel reveals their presence. Now remember, dear Christians, that you have been and are even now in the presence of the holy angels, for they are ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation. They look over you and they guard you, and they have particular care and concern for the children in our midst. They delight in our worship of God, and uh, it is actually one of St. Paul's exhortations to reverence in worship, is that you should be reverent lest you offend the angels in your midst. But being spirits without a corporeal body like ours, they are not visible to us or perceived by our senses unless they reveal themselves. And they only do this at the most monumental occasions in salvation history. And here we have perhaps the most monumentous occasion in salvation history. The coming of God in our human flesh to redeem the world. And so Gabriel comes to Mary. And even with his most stupendous of greetings, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you, Mary reacts with fear because sinful man cannot look upon the visage of one of God's holy and sinless angels and not be troubled in their spirit as Mary was. But Gabriel comforted Mary with these words, do not be afraid of Mary. For you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. By this announcement and promise, the angel promised more than a son to the virgin, which is a miracle of great value in itself. But in this, he also promised the pardon of guilt, the redemption to the captives, the opening of prison to them that are bound, all that we heard in Isaiah this last week. He announced the kingdom of the Son of God and the kingdom, uh, the glory of righteousness and the reward of faith. The name Jesus, the name which her son would be called is the name Yahweh saves. Yahweh saves. It is the name of the eternal God who comes in salvation. The blessed name Jesus is the terror of hell 
and the joy of heaven. Who then should not rejoice even in affliction or sorrow to think that the Holy Spirit overshadowed our sister and gave us a savior? David prays, remember your word to your servant in which you have made me hope. This is my comfort in my affliction, that your promise gives me life. David, who was much afflicted in his life, was comforted in his affliction by the promise. The promise gave him life. That promise which we heard in our Old Testament reading today. The Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house, and your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. A king from his house, from his line, the Messiah, would rule forever and defeat the enemies of all mankind. David had only received the word of promise. The Messiah had not yet been born. The first Christmas, the fulfillment of that promise was still a thousand years away. But in the certitude of his hope, grounded in faith that it was God who made the promise, he was comforted and he had joy. If then David was sustained in his mind with the bare hope of salvation, how much more should it be for us to whom the thing itself has come. Who then should not rejoice? Only he who does not believe. In this fact, this coming of the Son of Mary and God Almighty, we live in the best of times. The Messiah has come. The Word of God is readily available to us. Is it not the best of times when there is such a plenitude of grace and of all good things? Who has ever in the history of men received more of the pure doctrine than we? So do we dare to grumble because we do not have as many luxuries as we might or because Satan is arrayed against us? Why should we? Because the Lord, our champion, Jesus, Yahweh saves stands for us. God has sent forth his Son. He, the Son of Mary, God in our flesh, is the Savior of all men. But we also live in the worst of times, in the most decadent and depraved age that the world has never known, perhaps. I am often struck when I am reading the old theologians, when they speak about the law of God, when they are uh, talking about the pagans. For instance, Luther in his explanation to the first commandment says, No people have ever been so corrupt that they did not begin and continue in some divine worship. No people until now. The old theologians were well read in the writings of the Romans and the Greeks. They were very familiar with the Islamic world. And into the age of discovery, they knew all about many of the cultures that are scattered throughout our world. And they could not even conceive or fathom of a culture as corrupt and decadent and fallen as ours. Salvation is announced to the lost and they despise it. Life is promised to the hopeless and they neglect it. God 
comes to men and they ignore him. And those who have been handed the pure doctrine of grace take it for granted and long for the cucumbers of Egypt. They are given the food of immortality and wish to eat the food of death. Who is it then that is gladdened by the words of the angel to Mary? It is not the proud, it is not the confident who does not know that he sits under God. Only he who has first been humbled by pious grief, grief for his wandering and his exile, grief for his chains to death and the perils of hell, grief that mourns every day for the violence and lies and immorality that surround him and most importantly, his part in it. Happy for him and only for him is the angel's message to Mary. For he is full of joy, receives the message of the, Lord's, uh, of the Lord's coming in his son. While he weeps and laments that he is hindered and harassed by so many evils, that he has suffered and caused so much harm by his sins, he also hears with gladness of his liberator, Jesus, Yahweh, come to save. He rejoices in him who takes away the sins of the world, who puts an end to misery, and who bestows endless blessedness on the miserable. Blessed then are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those whose hearts are humbled by grief, who repent because they shall be gladdened at the good word. Unto us a Savior is born. Jesus Christ the Lord. It is those who with humble hearts like Mary say, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Let it be to me according to your word. You chose me in Christ before the foundation of the world, that I should be holy and blameless before him. Let it be done according to your word. In love you predestined me for adoption to yourself as a son through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of your will. Let it be done to me according to your word, to the praise of your glorious grace with which you have blessed me in the beloved. In him I have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of my trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon me in all wisdom and insight, making known to me the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven, and things on earth. Let it be done to me according to your word. In the name of Jesus, amen. You may be, rise for the offertory. Amen. 